everyone. Welcome to episode 100 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Today, I found myself going down the rabbit hole. I started looking at predator programs across the West uh, and what are states doing and what are different states doing that seem to be working. And it, it's just a challenge, I've, I've decided. Uh, after looking at all the states, they all have their own kind of predator program, depending on what populations or animals that they're concerned about. They each have their own plans drawn up. And some are effective, some are not effective. I think uh, the reason why some of these have been instituted, I've started to believe, is because legislators have got in and they decided that they were going to try to help one group or another. Now, we all know different laws that were enacted by legislatures to help different groups. And I think some of these were just thrown in there to help special interest groups. Utah is one that I'm just not understanding. Now, I've worked here and I understand and I've seen the ins and outs of this system. And I I know it's it's not biologically driven. Because if it was biologically driven, you would see that running a bounty is not effective. For 2022, they, re- they killed a total of 3,165 coyotes. At least that's what they paid bounty for. Of those coyotes, almost 70% of them were less than a year old. Another 20% were a year old. And then you've got data all the way out to five plus years with, with uh, roughly the last 10% of the population. The majority of the coyotes were submitted for bounties between November and February, with the majority of the coyotes being harvested in November and December. Now, they provided a map where you can see all the hotspots in the state of Utah. And overall, this program has killed a total of 111,025 coyotes. This is an average of 11,000 coyotes per year. uh, The one interesting thing about this data is they know 20% of those removals are happening on summer range. Fondo ratios, while they've been running this program, have had a slight decrease between 2013 and 2020. They had a couple of years of increase, 2021, 2022. But with the winter we're having, I guarantee there's not going to be an increase. So it begs the question whether coyote removals at $500,000 a year is worth it. If you go onto APHIS's website or Wildlife Services, uh, for 2019 they removed a total of 62,700 coyotes from across the United States. And so I started thinking, like, what what are we trying to accomplish? Is this actually effective? And I was looking at other states, and and uh, I kind of like Idaho's approach uh, more than more than some states. Uh, Montana really didn't have anything on it. Wyoming, I mean, they all have their predator pr- programs, but they don't really have their take on it. And what I liked about Idaho is they say they they have it listed out like before we go to a predator management program, these are the steps that we're going to take. First, they look and identify the population that 
that they are trying to help. And they see, let's say it's mule deer, mule deer on the decline. And they look at whether habitat is an issue, weather is an issue, health, is there disease passing through, what is the reproductive rates of those animals. And then they're also looking at the impacts that predators are having. So they are running studies to identify all these factors. And then they're like, okay, we identified that habitat is a limiting factor. And what can we do to improve habitat for mule deer? Can we do prescribed fires? So is, is there a bunch of junipers taking over everything? Or are there a bunch of noxious weeds that we need to remove and, and go in and do different types of planting? And then they work with a bunch of different agencies to promote habitat rehabilitation. Once they've done that, or while they're working on that, they're, they're looking at their hunting seasons. Okay, is a late hunting season going into the end of November and December negatively impacting these animals? Are we putting too much stress, stress on the females? And they can go in and they can reduce the amount of tags. They can look at um, closing off, working with areas to close off because our... Uh, like four-wheelers and all the hunter access, is that causing stress on the animals? Are they being pushed at a time where they're starting to be stressed? And then they start to change the way that predators are targeted. Can we, can we up the amount of tags for bobcats or coyotes? And they start to look at trapping and hunting regulations. How can we change or put more pressure on the animals when we need to? In the wintertime, can we, how can we target these uh, coyotes and, and bobcats and cougars and they can start looking at putting in like whether there's quotas or uh, they can go in and put timetables on where they open up a hunt for two weeks and then another hunt for two weeks so people aren't all hunting at the same time but you can spread those hunts out across uh, an entire month but using multiple different hunts that people apply for. Once you have the evidence that, okay, we have now looked at all these things and we still realize that predators are a limiting factor that are causing a lot of pressure, then they can go in. They have different things that they can use. They have different tools, whether it's trapping, uh, using hunters, but they can also bring in professional or commercial trappers, as well as wildlife service and others to go in and target coyotes and those different predator population. Their whole goal, though, is more of a reduction and not an elimination. And I think that's, that's, that's important. It's a more well-rounded approach in, in getting all these animals. It's, it's more of a balanced approach than it is that I think the state of Utah is doing. Going in and spending $500,000 on coyote removals when they're not effective but you're not doing very much habitat work. It just seems to be, I don't know, crazy. There are a bunch of studies too that that seem to back this up. So coyote management has been going on a long time in the United States, and there are a whole ton of methods and different programs to determine whether it's effective or not. There was an urban area that was being attacked by coyotes. People were being attacked as well as pets and animals that were being attacked. And so 
they brought in uh, professional trappers and hunters and they reduced that population and the attack stopped so obviously that was successful but it was to a limited fine scale area it was a small area not the entire state but research has also been shown that the statewide targeting of coyotes can actually lead to increased uh, conflict as well as population growth and what basically happens, this turns into what they call a sink source situation. Sink source situations happen all the time. Um, here's the definition of a sink source situation. It occurs when the area, the sink, has a population that is not self-sustaining and relies on immigration from one area, the source, to maintain its population. So think of a targeted coyote population that's being hunted heavily uh, we have a county in Utah that accounts for 12% of all the coyotes, so you've definitely got a sink there. Sinks can occur due to factors such as habitat loss, fragmentation, degradation, or because of high rates of mortality or low reproductive success. So we got high rates of mortality where these animals are being targeted in a limited area. Then we go back to Utah's data and we look and realize that 70% of those animals that are being targeted are less than a year old. So you're having low reproductive success. So you have high rates of mortality and low reproductive success. That is a definite sink. Populations in sink areas tend to be smaller, more isolated, while populations in a source tend to be larger and more connected. So now you have a population, the, let's say that this sink is near roads, so it's easy for these guys to come in on these roads and target them, and you have a source that may not be as easily accessible, and so they're a larger, well-connected. Then you start having what they call immigration. The movement of individuals from a source area to a sink area is known as immigration, and is necessary to maintain a population in the sink. So if we've been killing 12% of the coyotes in one county for the last 10 years, and we're still killing that many, you've got to be having massive amounts of immigration happening into those areas. Those areas are high in jackrabbit population, and so you know there's plenty of food. There's very good habitat. It's kind of remote, but there's still roads. So all these people are coming out there, they're killing all these animals, and they're just leaving a whole bunch of open terrain as well as food. Populations in sink areas may be different demographic characteristics. So the sex ratio, you're going to have more females in the certain areas versus males or vice versa. So it makes up uneven ratios. So understanding sink source dynamics is important for conservation areas as they can help identify areas that may be that may require targeted management or protection. If so if you have a sink and you know you have a source around it, you could start targeting those areas. But the challenge is once you start targeting that area is it opens up another source area. And so you're just it's like whack-a-mole. You start targeting one area and they're going to pop up somewhere else. It is such a difficult thing to do. There's all these corridors that these animals are using. doesn't matter how well you monitor it because the sink source is so huge and it's all across the entire state.
Now, it works. It works. Predator removal works in limited scales. WAFWA, they are the Western Association of Fish and Wildlife. And they got together and they've identified the science needed to determine whether it's going to work or not. Predation has to be identified as a limiting factor. Now, there's a, a few things out there to help you determine whether predation is a limiting factor. Predator control was implemented when a deer population was below habitat carrying capacity. Habitat carrying capacity is so important. I think I'm in a situation, or the where I live, the deer are in a situation where we are at habitat carrying capacity, because we can't break 19,000 for this area. We have a bad winter like we did, and your populations drop down to 14, 15,000, and then they slowly work themselves back. And everybody likes to say that it is a predator-limited situation, and I just find that garbage. You can't have the amount of people moving into this area, the amount of roads, the amount of traffic, the amount of fences, all those things, the amount of water we're using to water our lawns and crops. You can't have that and then tell me that it's predators that just seems dumb to me control efforts reduced predator populations sufficiently across the landscape to yield results expected to be 70 percent so you need to remove 70 percent of the coyotes to make a difference in that area on these animals and i don't believe that 3,000 yeah, the total was, oh, okay, here's the totals for, it wasn't 303,165, it was 397 coyotes. I don't believe that is 70% of the population of the state of Utah. I was in a class when we were talking about this um, back in 2017, and the numbers that the pro professor produced showed that we would have to remove roughly 100,000 coyotes per year in the state of Utah to make a difference. The other thing to determine whether this is going to be effective or not is the have to be timed just right. You have to look at when prey reproduction is happening. So in you have to do it right before and right after. So the first part of May and then through June. That seems to be the most effective because those predators that you're now targeting are not able to come in and affect uh, the fawn production. So your survival goes up. And it has to be focused. You can't do it statewide. Bounty programs just don't work. Now, they work on bigger animals that aren't as mobile. So if you wanted to get rid of a black bear population, they are a smaller population and they're not as mobile. And so you could target them. That's why it worked well on wolves. But coyotes are a different animal, completely different. And so I just, after looking at all this data, I know I've rambled and gone on, but it's, I think that money that the state of Utah and everybody else spends on predators could be more focused on habitat and education, letting people know why you can't raise that population. Everybody wants to hit 100,000 deer in their unit, and most of the time they can't even get above 15,000. And so I think that more education, whether people will agree with it or not, needs to, to happen. 
but I don't find that coyote programs, predator programs are that effective in what they're trying to accomplish. I think it's more about legislators and trying to appease different groups, forcing wildlife agencies to kind of fit that bill. Oh, it was a long-winded one for today. Sorry about that. But it's, there's a lot of data backing up that these programs are not effective and they're more social than anything. All right, you guys, stay wild. Have a great day.